Hello, I'm Dr. Renee Skelton, and this is another episode on BattlePod. Thank you again for joining me. So, stress is really high right now. There seems to be this cloud of uncertainty that lingers above us. You may be asking yourself, will there be another surge in Corona? Will I ever go back to work full time? Do I send my kids back to school versus just staying solely virtual? What if I don't have a choice? Will I be able to equip my children with the necessary resources for them to properly learn? Because I'm not a teacher and I don't get paid for this. Parenting is stressful already. You may be experiencing the feeling that parenting, it's not like running a marathon. It's like running until you die. There's this natural tendency to look around when things are finally calm and think, hey, this is not bad. This is nice. Nothing's currently on fire. My kids are fed. Okay, life's good. Life's good. But then stress happens again, and then you must parent. And then your emotions take over. Your children see your emotions, then everyone appears to be emotional. I see this with my clients. It's unfortunate. Suicide rates in children are elevated. Many believe that it's isolation. It's COVID. But I'm here to tell you, based on my experience and my interactions with these children, that's just the byproduct. Research shows that suicide usually doesn't happen based on a whim. The emotions are built up over a period of time. When I talk with my young clients, they are stressed. Why though? Why are the kids stressed? Because their parents are stressed. They hear the conversations their parents are having. Their parents are complaining, wondering how they will make ends meet, wondering what the future entails to somewhat try to control it. The children see the stress, they feel it. They feel like a burden. They feel like a burden. Parents, wake up. We must be aware of emotions. When we notice our child's emotions early and not just the resulting bad behavior, it's critical. Studies have shown that for parents to feel what their children are feeling, they must be aware of emotions, but first in themselves and then in their kids. Unfortunately, we don't typically do this. We address their emotions before we even address our own, and that does not work. As parents, we must have emotional awareness, which simply means that you are able to recognize what you are feeling as an emotion. You can identify your feelings and, of course, you are sensitive to the presence of emotions in others. It may sound wishy-washy to you. But hear me out. I promise you, this works. Take this example. Let's say your spouse comes in and your spouse appears to be passive aggressive. They're crossing their arms. They're, they look angry. and But they say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. I'm fine. You know they're not fine. The same with kids. Kids may not even understand what they're feeling or how to best express it. 
So being aware and noticing early can prevent future issues and of course can prevent tantrums. You know, those tantrums that they are trying to get your attention. Let's get back to the problem that many parents have, and that's noticing their own emotions. If you're not aware of your feelings and moods, you are going to have trouble noticing and relating to those of others. And that right there, parents, it shows a lower sense of emotional intelligence. You may be thinking, um, yeah, I am so in tune with my children's emotions as well as my own. I promise you, I've got this. Well, I commend you. But I do challenge you to take a deeper look to see if you truly do what you say. Many parents compensate for their fear of losing control, and they try to be these super parents. They hide their emotions from their children. The irony is that by when you hide your emotions, you may be raising children who are even less capable of handling negative emotions than they would have been if you've learned to let your feelings show in a non-abusive, non-confrontational way. Feel them to heal them, right? Research shows that if this is the case, more than likely your children will grow up emotionally distant from you, their parents. Also, the children have one less role model to teach them how to handle difficult emotions effectively. And that one less role model is you. Don't be afraid to show emotions in front of your kids with boundaries, of course. Basically, if you hold back from showing feelings from your kids, then they learn that mom and dad don't have these emotions and neither should I. That doesn't work for them. Witnessing arguments and then seeing them resolved is far better than never seeing them at all. Let me say that again. Witnessing arguments and then seeing them resolved is far better than never seeing them at all. Children need a role model, not just for values, but also for feelings. That's how they learn to regulate their own feelings. That's how their emotional intelligence is increased. Now, by showing emotion, it's an opportunity for teaching. In a healthy relationship, you don't typically hear a spouse say, hey, you know what? You should not feel this way. You should never feel this way. So why do parents think that it's going to work with their children? When you say there's nothing to be afraid of or, oh, it'll be fine, it's dismissive. This is how children learn to doubt their own judgment and they begin to lose confidence. When a child misbehaves, it needs to be stopped. We can all agree to that. When a child misbehaves, it must be stopped, but you want to do it in a way specific to the child's actions and not make it about their identity. This is a mistake many parents make, making it about their identity. For example, if your child colors on the wall, you don't want to say, oh my goodness, you are such a pain. Are you freaking serious? No, you are shaming them. It's not part of their identity, but you're making it that way. Instead, you say, we don't color on the walls because X, Y, Z. You fill in the blanks yourself. That's it. We don't color on the walls because da, da, da. Don't react. There was a study, I think, um, if, if I can remember correctly, it was the late 2000s. 
And this study showed that children who experience such disrespectful and condescending behavior from their parents, these were the same kids who were having more trouble with schoolwork and getting along with their friends. They even had higher levels of stress-related hormones in their bodies. And get this, their teachers, their teachers reported that they were having more behavior problems and their parents reported that they had more illnesses. Now that's a wake-up call, isn't it? It takes practice, but you want to see kids' emotional pain like you see on their physical pain. It's not their fault. It's, it's a challenge they're facing and one you can help them with. So what do you do when your child argues with you? You know that child that always argues with you. You know the feeling you get. You feel like you're losing patience and you feel like you are just losing control. Listen empathetically and validate their feelings. Don't argue the facts. Feelings aren't logical. As parents, we tend to immediately try to fix things because we come from a place where we want to protect our children. But we're doing it backwards. First, we need to establish that we are a safe person to go to before we can solve anything. But we're so quick as parents to jump into solving everything and it doesn't work. Understanding must precede advice. And just as with adults, children decide when they think we understand. Children decide it, not us. And then they will let us in for those conversations. If you skip immediately to problem solving, your child never learns the skill of how to deal with those uncomfortable emotions. To empathetically listen, you need to get them to talk. Help them put their feelings into words and validate them, not their behavior, but their feelings. This is how you can get them to really understand and show them that you are on their side and you want it to work. You want to help them. So how do you do this? Use your eyes to watch for physical evidence of your children's emotions. Try to look at the situation from their perspective, not yours. Use their words in a soothing, non-critical way and help them label their emotions. Now, be careful when you do this because probing questions can be too much for a young child. It's almost like they feel like they're being interrogated by you. Remember, they may not even know why they're sad. So try sharing simple observations with them. For example, say, I noticed that you frowned when I mentioned going to the party. And then just wait for a response. Do not jump ahead. Listen to understand, not react. They're waiting for you to react, but don't. Be still, be quiet, and wait. Surprise them and just listen, then validate. Wouldn't it be a perfect world if your child came up to you and said, Oh, dearest mother, I apologize for my unnecessary irritability. My transition to the new kindergarten class has caused me an unexpected amount of stress and my amygdala took over. But don't you worry. My future academic adjustments, they will be conducted with a level of grace that you would love so you can see in our loving household. This does not happen, and if it does, oh my goodness, wow. 
what you are doing is giving them words so they can help transform a feeling, whether it be scary, uncomfortable, whatever it is, into something more definable, something that has boundaries and is a normal part of everyday life. They need to know that anger, sadness, and fear, they're all emotions that everyone experiences. So when you label emotions, it goes together with empathy. Research indicates that the act of labeling emotions can have an actual soothing effect on the nervous system. And it helps children to recover more quickly from the upsetting incidents that they encounter and experience. And if you don't think that works, it's one of the main techniques that hostage negotiators use to help keep the most dangerous of situations calm. Now, don't fall into this trap. If your child is crying because of not being picked on a team, for example, do not say, I'm sure you will get picked next time. Just, you will get picked next time. This is not right. Just validate them and label the feeling with something like, you know, I can see how that can be hard for you. You wish you were picked to be part of the team. I bet that makes you sad. You see what I did there? Now, your child thinks, wow, they understand me. And guess what, parents? They just learned something about how to cope by talking it out and labeling the emotions to get a handle on them, to help regulate them, to increase their emotional intelligence. Remember earlier when I said that children who can label their feelings have a higher emotional intelligence? Well, children who can calm themselves from an early age, they actually show several, you know, signs of this. For example, they are more likely to concentrate better. They have better peer relationships, higher academic achievement, and even better health. So help them with their vocabulary. Help them to label their emotions. Now, as parents, we almost must, uh, we also must set limits because it helps them to solve problems. And that's what we want as parents. We want them to be able to go out into the world and just make decisions on their own and to effectively solve problems. All feelings are acceptable, but as a parent, you know that all behavior is not. Once the emotions are dealt with, you can then be firm with them. After you acknowledge the emotion behind their misbehavior and help them to label it, you need to make sure that your child understands that certain behaviors are inappropriate and will not be tolerated. Then, you can guide them into thinking of more appropriate ways to handle negative feelings. Remember, I said guide them, not tell them. That's the difference between mentoring and coaching. Coaching is not about you. Ever. You never insert yourself. It's about them. Mentoring is you're the sage on the stage. You give them the advice. So coaching and mentoring are totally different. So like I said, you can guide them into thinking of more appropriate ways to handle negative feelings through coaching. For example, if another sibling took a toy away from your child and they were throwing a tantrum, you would say, I see that you're mad that your toy was taken away. You see, I validated. I see that you're mad that your toy was taken away. I would be too, but it's not okay for you to hit her. What can you do instead? 
Unfortunately, many parents don't do this. They react in the moment and shout, stop hitting your sister. And it doesn't work. And then they do it again. And you wonder why when you just told them not to do it. Because you were mentoring to them and not coaching. They're not taking any ownership of it. They're not understanding how they feel and they're not labeling the emotion. You're not giving them that space to learn. This is where the problem solving comes into play. And this is where parents make another mistake. Someone needs to lead the problem solving. And guess what, parents? That person is not you. Problem solving is another skill you want to help them develop. You won't always be there to tell them what to do. So you must encourage them to come up with their own ideas and guide them to a solution that is effective and takes other people's feelings into consideration. This is how emotionally intelligent children become resourceful, responsible children. Okay, so after listening to all of my advice, you may be thinking, great, this was a lot of information and now I'm really stressed. How am I supposed to do all of this when I'm in the middle of the grocery store, late to an appointment, and my kid is acting out in front of everyone and is embarrassing me? First, be aware of your own emotions. Then, be aware of theirs. Take a deep breath and realize that this is a learning process and you may not master it right away. Remember that emotions are opportunities for teaching and the best time believe it or not, is when things get emotional. Listen empathetically to them and validate their feelings. You can't argue their feelings. They feel what they feel. Accept all feelings, but not all behavior. Do not interrogate them, only validate and help them label their emotions. Remember, They have the words, you don't. And set limits so they can eventually problem solve. Now to relieve some more of your stress, you don't always have to do what I provided to you in sequential order when a tantrum occurs. It would be amazing if you could, but certain situations may dictate otherwise. You don't have to worry. If you can set aside time to sit down and have the conversation with your child about what occurred, you can help them become more emotionally intelligent. And honestly, isn't that what you want? Please remember that nothing in this podcast is intended to establish a doctor-patient relationship, to replace the services of a trained doctor or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I would love for you to follow me on my social media accounts. You can find all of the links and this podcast on my website, www.reneeskelton.com. That is www.reneeskelton.com. As always, I appreciate each one of you and your support. And if you found this episode helpful, please, please, please Share to anyone and everyone that you think could benefit from it. Also, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So leave remarks, leave comments. And thank you for listening and check back often for a new release. If it doesn't challenge you, it does not change you. Until next time.